Hey guys, it's Red here with this week's Game Devs Quest Quick Tip. We're always touting the power of those humble bundles, and this week there's two aimed right at you game devs and aspiring game devs alike. The first one I went ahead and already picked up. It is the Break Into the Games Industry book bundle, and it includes books on creative character design, video game artwork, landscape art, as well as intuitive uh, user interfaces. The other one is an online course in game development. It is called the Intro to Code Humble Bundle, and it includes introductory courses on Python, HTML and CSS, and Blender, and much, much more. If either of these bundles sounds of interest to you, you can use our affiliate link that we tout in every episode. It costs absolutely nothing extra for you to use, but it scrapes a little bit off the top of your purchase and gives it straight to us. And you get some cool bundles while you're at it. That link is bit.ly forward slash GDQ hyphen humble. Hey guys, thanks, and we hope you enjoy these bundles. Game Devs Hey y'all, welcome to this week's episode of Game Devs Quest, your once weekly podcast following two game dev scrubs into game devdom. We can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. Dude, I, I thought you were going to say into something. <laughs> <laughs> I was. And then I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. That's not what it is. Well, I mean. So, caught that's... myself, great orator, very powerful orator, the best. Uh <laughs> George Orwell over there. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, this is kind of going to be a weird one again because we recorded on Friday and it's Monday, yeah. so nothing yeah. has changed. <laughs> yeah. I. Um, so my, uh, my week since we last recorded uh, was rather eventful, I will say. Um, I got some more work done on my video game composing, which was kind of fun, except I didn't... Uh, I didn't really work on any new tracks. I just tried to fine tune some of the other ones that I had that just weren't sounding quite right. So, um, and just, you know, chipped away at that sort of thing. Um, and also I had a fun little experience at a local board game cafe, right? So get this, you go there and you spend, uh, like a little entry fee, I guess. And then you have access to all their board games and they had a library of like two to 300 board games. Thanks. What, yeah. what is the name of it? Because I feel like I've maybe been to this place before. It's called Ticket to Play. Nope, never been there. Sounds and, cool. And like, remember where we used to like rent that studio out there on Kubler and Commercial? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's right by there. It's like oh, wow. behind okay. that. Yeah. Dude, I forgot all about that little rental yeah, thing. Yeah, I know, right? Had. It's weird. It is weird. <laughs> We're busy just surviving day to day. I know. Yeah, Rhett Back and I... so poor. Yeah, well, because we, growing up, we played music always either in my parents' basement or another one of our friends' shops. And after that, like when we got out of the house and uh, went off to college and all that stuff, we had to find a place to play. So it was yeah. uh, rentals and storage units and all this stuff. I kind of, that's interesting. It shows yeah. that we at least had that as a priority. Yeah, I'd say so. And it cool. definitely like helps focus you. Like if that's what you want to do, like you're spending money to do it. Yeah, you know? I know. So um yeah, I think it kind of helps yeah, like really focus I guess like what uh, what you're doing when you're there. Well, it's kind of <laughs> like a gym membership, right? Like you you pay to go use their equipment, which kind of incentivizes you to go, but as soon as you sort of fall off that, like stop going regularly, you're kind of put in this weird spot like, well, should I continue my gym membership or, you know, because well, that was kind of what was nice about that studio, though, was like it was like a per use type thing. That's but we true. could store our stuff there. At least you stored your drums. There. Yeah, that's true. That place was I was thinking the uh, storage unit. Yeah, uh, there was like we sort of fizzled out. We had like every Tuesday for like a long quite time. A few, yeah, six months to a year or something. And then. Yeah, we, we got into this fun habit of like we would go and jam and then go and get dinner. Yeah, I We'd like go that. and eat Chinese or something. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, those were good times. 
much simpler days. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, so it's right by there. We played this really fun game called Mysterium. And have you played Dixit with me? Have you played that yet? I can't remember. I think we were maybe going to and we played Timeline instead. Oh, yeah, maybe. Dix- so Dixit's like one of my favorite games, and it's really, really, really hard to explain. <laughs> um, but D- D-I-X-I-T, right? D-I-X-I-T. Yeah. Dixit. Yeah. And essentially, this is the way I describe it to most people. So it's kind of like Cards Against Humanity or like Apples to Apples, where like everybody plays a card, but instead of words, it's a picture. And it's this beautiful hand drawn artwork, sort of like on par with like something like Magic the Gathering, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just these big cards with these beautiful, fantastical, um, hand painted pieces of art on them. And when it's your turn, you know, you take a look at the cards that are in your hand and you analyze them and you give a clue. And, you know, maybe the clue is just blue, right? The color blue. Or maybe it's sad. Or maybe it's like Harry Potter or something. The clue can literally be anything you want it to be. And the goal being that when you put your card face down and the rest of the table puts their card that matches the clue as best they can. And you shuffle them up and then you flip them over and everybody votes on which one was yours. And the goal is you want at least one person to guess yours, but you don't want everybody to guess yours. Right? Uh, yeah. The way you maximize your points is by getting as many people that isn't everybody to vote for your card. Right. So you don't want to give too easy of a clue that everyone's going to be like, <laughs> ah, of course, like that's exactly what Rhett would pick for the color blue. Right. Very That's nuanced. exactly what Rhett would pick for, you know, something. Um, I'm pretty sure we actually played this one time. We might have. We might yeah. have played it at your house in Eugene. There was that one time you and Bailey came over and we stayed up till like 4 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, think we, we may have that. played both Timeline and this because these cards, they're super beautiful. And yeah. I remember looking at a bunch of these. Yeah, it's a really fun game. Yeah. And anyway, so you're in points that way. Um, so this game, Mysterium is like Dixit, but combined with Clue. Oh. Where there is a team of psychics, or mediums, essentially. Those are like the designations of the players. Mediums. And then there's a team of ghosts, or just one ghost, usually. And the ghost has to give these beautiful hand-painted cards, just like Dixit. They have to give them out to each medium in order to correctly guide them to who the murderer is, what the murder weapon is, and what the murder location is. Oh, that's neat. And it's really (laughs) hard, but it's so fun. And it's kind of a cooperative game. Like, everybody has to win together. Gotcha. Um, Is there, like, a DM in it or something? No. No? Okay. I saw somebody with one of those, like, DM kind of hidden divider card things, you know, where you hide your face behind it. Yeah, that's the ghost. So, yeah, the ghost... The ghost has like this roadmap for every player and it, you essentially, it's like a divider, just like D and D, but you put in cards into that area and you put in across the top row is like the person across the second row is the, uh, scene and across the bottom row is the weapon. And each column is a player, a different player. And so you have to guide your players according to their path of person, place and weapon. Wow. Yeah, I could see how that's hard. Oh, it's super hard, <laughs> but it's so fun. And it's like just like Dixit in the sense where like you're trying to give cards to players that they'll understand your logic on it. Like, how did you get there? Right. Right. Um, and it was really fun to see how people like work together to like figure out these clues. And um, game is really hard, but I really highly recommend it. it's called Mysterium. Anyway, nice. so that was Ticket to Play. Um and then the next day, um, I sat in uh, on an interview, essentially. Uh, one of the local papers here in town uh, wanted to interview me based on our D&D podcast. Um, so that was kind of fun Dang. to like, sit there and get to talk about D&D and talk about like what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it. Um, That's pretty big, uh, big press for a yeah, I local think so. podcast. That's cool. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. Was and, that uh, Statesman Journal or... Uh, yeah, and I think he's just like a student journalist mostly, but yeah, he was uh, with the Statesman, so Dang. 
kind of interesting. Big um, name around here. You. <laughs> um, although it's going downhill, but oh. Oh. Uh, it's just because there's no money in, in it anymore, I don't think. Yeah. So it's, it's suffering. For sure. So what were um, some of the stuff they asked you? So, yeah, we literally just talked about like how it came together, like how we all met each other. We talked about... Um, you know, how we kind of settled on what it was that uh, we're doing. Hang on. Well, you guys are on like season three, right? Um, Yeah, we're on th- season three, which means that like we're doing like episode like 60 something. Dang. Um, yeah. Because you were it's... DM first, right? And then Bentley was second. Yep, exactly. So is there a different one now? No, unfortunately, it's still Bentley, which okay. I mean, not unfortunately, I guess, but yeah, um, it's it's still Bentley and I'm still playing because I'm having a lot of fun playing. But yeah, I started as the DM and then, uh, you know, Bentley started going through some stuff personally that made him really it made it really hard for him to want to commit to playing and all this sort of stuff. And when he started coming out of it, he realized that how like cathartic writing was for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like this type of guy that likes to be at the wheel anyway, so um, he asked if he could DM, and so I stepped aside and allowed him to do it. And I started having so much fun as like my character and just the adventures that we were doing um, that I was totally on board with doing it. And um, so yeah, but it's we've been playing for like more than two years now. Like Dang. we started, I think, a little bit before Game Devs Quest. Oh Maybe wow! A little after? No, because no, we've only done sixty episodes, so oh, I, I guess less. Say. That doesn't make any sense though. Well, well do you like guys do one every long, week? But, um, yeah, for the most part. The first year was kind of hit or miss. Uh, we didn't really um, do is we probably didn't do one a week, but we have for the last like year straight. So, because um, I'm pretty sure like season two is 50 episodes. Dang. Yeah, so we're like at 75 or something. I don't know, but anyway, we just started season three, and that was kind of why they wanted to talk to us. They just saw that we we're like really long lasting, and that we've done a lot and we have a lot of people who are involved in the local scene you know like caleb um one of our co-hosts and players he uh runs like a local martial arts uh school and he teaches martial arts um you know uh bentley he's involved in comedy and uh for a long time he was like one of the lead guys out at the theater for enchanted forest which is uh i don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast but it's like this weird theme park kind of by where we live um it's a cool little spot, but it's it's really weird and small. Um, <laughs> and creepy. Yeah, kind of creepy. <laughs> like really like fairy tale themed. They've I thought got, it like, was like Disneyland when I when I was a little kid. Like I don't think I knew the difference between Enchanted Forest and Disneyland. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to take kids there because it's like they've got theater and they have all these like fun rides and cool little attractions. So that's kind of neat. Um, and, uh, yeah, did I see who's a part of, uh, comedy? And of course you guys remember Bentley from, uh, the episode where he talked about voice acting, yeah. uh, with us here on Game Devs Quest. Sup, dudes. And, yeah, sup, dudes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how you doing, huh? Anyway. <laughs> um, and then Dash Thompson, uh, is one of our other players and he's a local comic and he's like really heavily involved in improv, like teaching improv classes and doing stand up comedy and that sort of thing. Um, and then there's me that's just along for the ride, I guess. Just, just rat. Um, just little old rat. Plain um, old Although rat. I'm pretty involved in the local scene for stuff too. I'm just not as cool as there. Um, Whatever. You and your music, man. I was going to say, I guess musical theater. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you do stand-up comedy. I don't know if you do lately. I haven't done it in a while, but yeah, I used to do stand-up comedy for a long time. Um, it just uh, became a little inconvenient, even though I live closer than I ever have. <laughs> yeah um time is scarce man yeah but it was fun he just talked about like how how like our characters were created and why we play them the way we do and talked about like basically like how we write the story and how we write our characters and how we role play and things like that it was pretty cool um i had a really good time doing that is it out yet the article uh no he's he's working on it i guess he has a lot of work to do but uh but he's supposedly going to send us all copies when it comes out, so we'll see. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. If it comes up online, you should link to it as well. Yeah, it will. That'll be fun. I want to read it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. God, was that it? 
I guess so. That was my week. <laughs> I mean, it's only been like three days, so that's not that big of a deal. That was my week, bro. <laughs> um, so what about you? Yeah. You've been like reading, shopping. Yeah. Living that sweet life. Been ready to drop the biggest amount of money I've ever saved up in my life. <laughs> right. <laughs> On a house. <laughs> Um, a place to live on a, a lodging, residence. If you will. Yep. Um, yeah. So that was the biggest thing this week. Um, I think we'll start with the house stuff. Um, so I don't know if I mentioned it last week on the podcast, but we ended up like um, getting pre-qualified, meeting a realtor, all that stuff, and then like super quickly, you know, not even a week later. Yesterday we went and. Um, had our realtor give us a tour guide to seven houses in the Eugene Springfield area. And, um, I mean, we had been looking on like Trulia, um, and there's this other thing called RMLS or something, which is like a realtor's way of looking at houses on the market that since we have a realtor, now we get those like updated lists every single day of what's on the market, what's pending, what's sold and, and whatever. So last week we went through and like picked our top houses based off of, you know, pictures and stats and all this kind of stuff. And then we sent them to her and she kind of calculated this tour and we stopped by and looked at all these houses. And, um, a couple of things that surprised me was, um, for some reason I thought, you know, you'd go into a house and you'd spend like a long time looking around in the house, you know, on, on these tours. We had seven lined up. So I figured like, man, we're going to be there for a really long time. It might be like five or six hours or something. And we only spent like 15, 10 to 15 minutes in each house. You just kind of like go through, look at the floor plan, open some cupboards, you know, <laughs> like make right, sure there's yeah. no like obvious things that stand out as being like, you know, I wouldn't live here kind of a thing. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was just kind of interesting. Some of the houses were empty. Some of them people still lived in. Uh, one of the houses we like pulled up and the owners were still there. So they just like got in their car and left for a little bit while we looked through their stuff. It felt kind of weird. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was also interesting too, cause, uh, they have, Nowadays, what they do, I was asking her about it, is she is hooked up to some system where it's like these lockbox systems that are, I don't know if they're connected to the internet or what, but she gets like a temporary code for a specific time. She goes up to the lockbox, she punches in her little code, and then it unlocks for her. And all of those stats are, you know, logged so they know that, yes she has logged and, and grabbed this key, whatever. It's just like, it, se- it was interesting because it seems like much more secure. I was like, how do you coordinate all this stuff? And that was the big thing. They use this system to kind of manage that. But then she does that and then she unlocks the door. She knocks on it a bunch of time and then she yells like, hello. And I'm like, do you do, you do that? Because you get squatters. She's like, oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. I was like, oh wow, really? She's like, yep, you'd be surprised. Um, and like the, the houses we looked at, um, ranged in terms of how long they, they sat on the market. Some of them were just on the market for a couple of days. And then a couple were like, there was two, they were a little farther than where we wanted to live that sat on the market for like 70, 80 days or something. And <laughs> yeah, she's like, these types of houses are the ones that people would squat in. And Dude, that's so wild. Like, I used to do, um, like, repair inspections on houses that were on the market. And they would hire, like, third-party contractors to come in and work. And then I would go in and follow up and make sure that they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. And, like, I did hundreds of those. And people always told me to watch out for squatters. But I never, ever encountered anything like that. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if it's the area. I mean, we have a lot of... uh could be, but Salem's not like doing much hotter, you know. That's like true. I know that Eugene's particularly bad, but Salem's, you know, tailing behind closely. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, yeah, so that was kind of interesting. And and actually, one of those houses that had been there for a while, we came 
or like we were still looking around and then this other like lady walks in and our realtor was just like she she's really cool she's like no no shenanigans you know she's like Mm -hmm. yeah we're almost finished here and then the lady like shut the door (laughs) and then we like go outside and it turned out it was just some random person that was like you know thinking that she was gonna be able to like look at the house or something like on her own or like oh my god and so the lady was like outside like expecting our realtor to like help her she's like who are you? <laughs> what are you doing here? And then she just like locks the door behind her and leaves her standing there. It was funny. <laughs> God. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. Um, our first house we looked at, like, I swear to God was haunted. <laughs> <laughs> so and you, it, and you said that earlier off the air, you meant that literally. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, it was so it was pretty old um it smelled really weird it was honestly it, that is the trademark of hauntings really like no. sulfur it sulfur in the air <laughs> no, i don't know it, it just, just smelled kind of old i know you yeah are. but it was kind of like my parents house where it it seemed really old and kind of like frankenstein together like they had this sunken room and the first thing that our realtor said was like, now you realize that there's no garage. And we're like, oh no, we didn't realize that. She's like, well, there used to be, but this room, they converted it into a garage. And you like go down in there and they had this like fireplace that was like super beat up. And it was like, I don't know, hastily covered so that you wouldn't, couldn't really see what was inside. And she just like gets in and like opens it up. She's like, oh yeah, they were breaking some kind of violations here. This is going to be a uh, money suck. You don't, you don't want to deal with this, you know? Right. And, but then we get up there. This is the only one that had an upstairs, I think. And we get upstairs and I don't know, like the room itself was fine, but there's like this tiny little cubby door. I'm like, wonder what that goes to. And I open it up and it's like this massive attic and it's like super creepy. There was like oh, these yeah. weird like pipe ventilation. It kind of almost looked like a coffin was in there. And I said that. And as soon as I said, it, it's funny. She, our realtor just like walks right in, like not scared at all. You know, just like goes in. She's like, well, this could have been like a big room, but they, you know, they probably wanted to run a bunch of pipes through here or something. But yeah, know. it's kind of like a crawl space type area. Yeah, like remember John Blatchford's house? Like, oh, yeah. I was like that. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of his house a little bit. Not not uh, hating on his house, but his house was a little bit creepy at times too. Um, yeah. But anyway, so it, like we see that house and that one's like in our price range. <laughs> just, and like to start, like our hearts are just like sinking. Like, oh my God, what are we... Like we've saved up all this money and we're going to spend it on something that's like this like haunted level quality. I don't know. Are we, should we not be doing this? But I think she was smart. I think she's like kind of staged it to build up to one particular house and then kind of fall off. And uh, the one house that we really liked, um, we just like everything about it. Like we got a good vibe from like had nice hardwood floors, just like even the decorum was like, well, like tastefully chosen and really great backyard. And just like all these things that were just like, check, 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 check. But the problem was that they were deciding yesterday. uh, They already had three offers in and they were deciding yesterday who was going to get the house. And I don't know. She, when we were like on our way over to that house, I was asking her like, do you, you know, do you first time home owners or people you work with, do they ever put in offers the first day? And she's like, oh yeah, sometimes. Um, I was like, man, I don't know if I could do that. I, I'm pretty hesitant in a lot of things. And she was like, well, when you see the right house, you'll know. Like as soon as you get there, you'll know that you want that house. And it was, <laughs> it was weird because we were on our way to see that one. And both Allie and I, like, we open the door and we just, like, look at each other like, whoa, this is awesome, you know? So we spent a little bit of time there. Um, and I could just tell, like, 
looking at Alia like she wanted that house. Yeah. So we kind of like sat on it. We we both mentioned that we really liked it and like would be really interested in living there, but I wasn't sure if we were going to just let it pass or what. And after time went on, we saw a couple other houses that were pretty mediocre. We we ended up deciding to do it. So it was weird. It's all kind of, I mean, because we hadn't even been really looking for a house for a week yet at that point. Um, so I was like kind of scared, but yeah, uh, we had like a five o'clock deadline and it was like probably 3 PM when we got back or maybe two and our realtor's like, well, what do you think? And we're like, well, I th- we think we want it. She's like, okay, I'm going to hurry up and get this paperwork going. You guys go to lunch, figure out what you want to offer and come back and we had talked a little bit in the car about what to offer and she was funny because like she's so into detail like so the address was um i think it was like it had the number like 354 or something in it and so she Mm -hmm. really wanted the price that we offered to end in 354 yeah. So she's really into detail or she's OCD. <laughs> well, no, but she's like at this point we know that there's three offers. We have to do everything that we possibly can to make your offer stand out. And um anyway, so we gave her a number. We came back, um went through like 40 pages of signing our life away. Uh she had to contact our mortgage broker to get uh, firm pre-approval and then um, <clears throat> yeah then after we signed she's like all right you guys have like an hour and a half I want you to write a cover letter like tell tell them your first time homeowner you've been saving your money all this stuff like I don't know so we got home we're like rushing to try and get it out and Allie and I were like squabbling at each other like (laughs) over these little details and everything and she texts me at like 4 30 our realtor like if you're gonna do a cover letter I need it now and we're both like oh god (laughs) but we got her something and anyways long story short we found out that uh we didn't get the house, so it's kind of a bummer. Oh, yeah. Damn, dude. You've led me to believe for like the last 45 minutes that you guys like stand <laughs> a pretty good chance of this. No. I, well, so basically what it boiled down to was, um, well, and we only get like so much detail about it, but it sounded like the offer that was put in that was taken may have been a cash may have been cash mm-hmm. which means that they can like bypass a bunch of stuff yeah um and they all well so that means like their down payment was we bought the house it's ours yeah <laughs> you know which yeah. is which is hard to bypass but apparently the uh the owners were they really liked our cover letter and apparently they kept saying like they were so sorry that they didn't pick us um and so if they if something bad happens with the process, cause it takes, I didn't realize this, but it takes like 30 to 45 days to do all the yeah. closing details. So if something bad happens there, if the seller backs out or the buyer, buyer backs out or whatever, then we are the next people to hear from or to well, that's cool. be approached. So yeah, there's a chance, when, but when you found that your offer wasn't initially accepted, were you like bummed or relieved? Um, it was weird. I, Alia was devastated. She was actually like, she told me last night that she was mad that I wasn't more upset about it. (laughs) (laughs) But like I've, I have several friends that um, know quite a bit about buying houses. Like they've bought at least one house and almost every single one of them told me that your first house that you put an offer in on, at least in their experience, it doesn't get doesn't get accepted and like we don't know what to offer we like we asked our real estate like how much do we offer since there were three in you know we were trying to compete with those people and put a high enough offer that they would pick us over all of them so you're kind of like trying to game it like how much more than the asking price are these people going for 
and right. we still don't know what that number is. Our, our real estate agent basically said like, there's not a magic formula. Like you don't want to overshoot and then end up spending like 20,000 more than you should have. But you also, in those cases, want to have the best offer. So it's like this really hard um, scenario. It's weird. So we, we went to lunch and talked about it. Um, and we tried to like be logical about what we thought people might put in. Cause like, who knows what the first offer was? It might've been, you know, they could have also been a first time homeowner and we're putting like 1% down, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. So that was, it was tricky. Um, but yeah, last night I was, I don't know why my initial reaction was like, expect the worst. And so when she called us and told us we didn't get it, I was like, well, damn, you know, like that sucks. Yeah. Not like, not that big of a deal. And in some sense, I was a little bit relieved, like you said, because God, he signed these like 40 pages of documents and it goes through like literally everything. And I don't yeah. know how any of it works. It puts like a lot of pressure on you to, you know, like it was stupid, but I was like, well, shoot. I don't even know if we have a checkbook. Like we never write checks. And if I had to order a checkbook, what would it take like seven to 10 business days? And we said in the contract that we would have like, what do they call it? Earnest money where you pay some up front. We'll have it within four days or something. I'm like, well, what do we do if we don't have a checkbook? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like all these dumb little things pop into my head and which I found our checkbook. So it's good. (laughs) But you know, yeah so it's a little bit relieving but then as like the hours went on i was like feeling it more you know yeah like i was i went to bed and couldn't fall asleep and i was pretty upset about it oh i'm sorry (laughs) but it's all right so like what would happen though like you guys buy this house and then like alia gets a sweet job offer like somewhere else well yeah we've been talking a lot about that so part of the reason we're, um, I would say like 95% sure that we're going to stay here. Uh, I still don't know about my job, but, um, I did hear from our, the manager last week and she said like, we'll let you know by next week, we're going through some of the details, you know, cool. which made it sound like they were preparing something to offer me. I think it's a little bit complicated because, of some of the language that was written in about right. like the job tenure and stuff like that. Um, and me being a city employee already. So I think they have to take a little extra time with it. So it kind of sounds like I'm going to get this job. I'm hoping, I don't want to say too soon. And if that's the case, then we're willing to stay here for, I don't know, at least three more years. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so yeah, that makes good sense then. Yeah, and you know, I thought that we were gonna hear back like last week or the week before, um, and so we sort of wanted to prepare for that, like get going pretty yeah. quickly. But we also didn't expect everything would go so fast. Like I thought maybe we'd be looking for houses like two weeks from now or something. But yeah. everything just kind of happened to line up to where like really last minute we just were able to catch everyone that we needed to catch so everything's going quick yeah it was good so kind of sucks we're back to the drawing board there's like no houses that i'm really excited for right now that i've seen but we're gonna go again next sunday look at probably another five or six oh one thing i wanted to say was oh my god uh, <laughs> one of the houses, the last one that we saw, um, we weren't super excited for, but we got there and like the outside was like surprising. It was like, oh, this is really nice. Like this has a lot of possibilities. And we get up to the door and she's unlocking the little box and she's like, oh, you know what? This is a pea house. We're like, what? She's like, yeah, I... She's like, I've been really wanting to see this house. I've heard about it, but I've heard about it because another real estate agent said it's a pea house. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you'll see. So we opened the door and like, as soon as we walked in, it was 
the most vile smell of urine I've ever <laughs> smelled, dude. Like it was so strong, I couldn't even I couldn't even breathe. Like I was holding my shirt and my hand over my mouth and she's like, "Yeah, don't breathe in," you know? <laughs> so I just like quickly ran around the house and just got out and we're like, "Well, damn. All right. How like how would anyone ever sell a house that is that stinky yeah i don't know i don't know what the seller's realtor was thinking like you would want to like deep scrub that thing it was weird so it is weird learn some interesting things people are strange and uh apparently they all pee inside their houses yeah (laughs) well we all pee inside our houses i hope but but not in the carpet or something right yeah yeah (laughs) Well, cool, dude. That's really exciting. I'm always happy to see my friends make big milestones in their lives. And sounds yeah. like you guys are well on your way to one. So that's really cool. Close. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully something lines up and we find a house that's even better than the other one. So we'll see. Yeah, probably will. <laughs> Keep you posted. Cool. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah. What else were you doing or reading this week, bro? Yeah, so uh, I started reading the book Deep Work this week, um, mostly because uh, when I was in my interview for the job I applied for, I asked the question, something along the lines of like, what books have really helped you in your career? And my friend who was on the interview panel was like, well, you recommended a book to me called Deep Work, and I don't think you've read it. <laughs> so he like called me out in the interview. Um, <laughs> and so I picked it up. I put it on hold a while back and just got it this week and read uh, maybe about half of it. And nice. yeah, I got, I got some good things out of it. I don't know like if I could say too many specifics, but the biggest thing is... Uh, we live in a very distracted world, and I'm sorry. What were you saying? I said we live in a very distracted world. Sorry, my phone keeps going off. I missed that again. Uh, I said, <laughs> 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 "Oh God, You're... oh my God, hey <laughs> Rhett." Were you like super pissed there for a second? I was like, I was pretty confused. <laughs> I was like, your phone? I didn't hear anything. <laughs> wow. But dude, yes. For a second, it sounded like you were going to pop your gasket and just be like, dude. <laughs> uh, nah, you're good. I, I was just confused. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. We. So I'll say it again. We live in a very distracted world. <laughs> oh, is that my phone? <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, it's really hard for us to find like a time where we can get into a deep thinking state. And so the book is divided into two parts. One is kind of like talking about the state of the world and about the importance of being able to think deeply, um, work deeply. And then the second half is about um, ways to kind of practice deep work and trying to uh you know, harness some of these practice methodologies to get there. <clears throat> what I found really interesting, I, I finished the first half or the first part, um, was his emphasis on basically um, the workforce and how most of our jobs are structured around being present. Yeah. And presence is a sign of not reaching deep work. So for instance, one example he had was like uh, the Yahoo CEO that took over in like 2012. She pulled some stats about working from home and the people who work from home had fewer logins to their systems than when they were in the office. Um, And so she rationalized that they weren't doing more work, right? They weren't actually like 
present in their job. They were like taking advantage of the system. But his argument was kind of the opposite. Because they weren't present, they probably were in a state of deep work more regularly where they had time to focus and really get into a topic. Um, And so like for my job, I was thinking about this a lot. My job is essentially like higher tier tech support. And so if we get an incoming email or a call, whatever it is that we're working on at that point, we have to drop and take care of this, you know, more pressing issue, which means that you're getting distracted over and over and over throughout the day. And so like I've been working on several programming projects at work and some days, you know, you get two or two or three calls in an hour or something. And that's just like, it's not only shot that hour, but it's shot like at least an hour, you know, 30 minutes on either side of that hour because, you know, you have to kind of like warm up to getting into it. Um, And so it's just interesting thinking about that. He said that most of the successful people like nowadays are people that uh, harness deep work and are based off of like how our jobs, like the economy and everything is structured. It's becoming more valuable to be uh, someone who can reach deep work more often, but it's also becoming more and more scarce that people can do that mm-hmm. uh, because of things like Twitter and Facebook and email and all these different things. So he basically was saying like, if you can schedule deep work, if you can get into a state of deep work more often, you're going to have a much more successful career to a point where, you know, potentially you'll have a career that is memorable to other people. And then he lists off like all these examples. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Like I, I've definitely had those days where it's every 15 minutes, I'm like checking my phone every 10 minutes. I'm checking my phone, whatever. And it made, it really made me want to just kind of disconnect a little bit. He, some of the examples he gave are, are people like, um, Neil Stevenson, uh, like on his website, if you go there, there's no contact section. He basically says like, don't interrupt me. Like I already have, like if I want to write novels, don't interrupt me. If you want me to write high quality novels at a quick pace, don't talk to me kind of a thing. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of the, the big name thinkers throughout the history of humanity have harnessed kind of that yeah. uh, distance yeah, it's or whatever. Because I've, um, I've had the book in my Amazon basket for a while, as well as like a couple other ones. And I actually was put onto this one because of uh, Coffee with Butterscotch. Uh, yeah, they talked about like, it. Yeah, and it's on their – they have like a, a book club-like section on their website mm-hmm. um, that outlines a lot of books. And I had a bunch of them in my Amazon list and had a list of them like when I went to Pals a couple weeks ago and like looked through. But it's kind of interesting. I think part of the reason I ended up not getting it is because it – see, I like that this one ha- actually like the second a- half has like actionable things that you can do to try yeah. and like form habits to get into deep work. Because yeah. a lot of the other books I read are just like – there are these like pseudo like self-help not, – not books that I've read but uh, books that I've seen that I've been thinking about reading – um, they're like pseudo self-help books, like in the same vein as like the four hour work week or something yeah. that like doesn't apply to people that are grinding at the bottom of the barrel, you know? Yeah. Um, right. I, I can see but, some of that like vibe you might get from it, but so far yeah. it's, it's very like he talks kind of up in the air theoretical. Um, mm-hmm. and then he brings it down to practical. So I might have to check it out because I like the idea that he actually has things you can do. Yeah. And he plus, yeah, go ahead. The thing I just read was he broke down four different styles of achieving deep work. Mm-hmm. And uh, like one is basically like you're a recluse. You 
break off all communication with people for extended periods of time. And, you know, that's that. Another is like, um, what did he call it? Like bimodal or something where you kind of like split your life in half where one half of your life is dealing with busy stuff and the other half is deep work. Another one is repetitive, which I think would probably work for a lot of us, which is basically like you schedule, you know, two and a half hours a day, Monday through Friday, the exact same time. And you turn off like your cell phone and like all this stuff and you just Mm -hmm. get into a state of deep work. Um, And then the See, last I don't think one. that would work for like my career. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that yeah, it makes sense, but like my career I have to be like really connected to people. Right. I'm constantly like have to answer the phone for people to write my checks, you know? Yeah. Like he also talks my schedule's like super inconsistent. Like right. I have to you know, one day I might be working out in the field, the next day I might be in the office for a little bit. One day I might have to go in at like 5 a.m. The next day I can go in at like noon. Right. You know? Well, and he actually, so the fourth one, I don't remember what he called it, but it's basically like do it when you can, but yeah. but sort of like make it a priority. And and I think you were talking about this on the podcast um, where Jerry Seinfeld, like someone asked him, you know, how, he, how they can be a better comic. And he, he said like, you know, put a schedule up on your wall and every day like write something write some jokes or whatever then put an x through that day on the wall and then basically get to the point where you've built up a couple weeks in a row and now just never stop doing that you know and so he prefaced that section with that and then said like for him he falls into this category because he's he's a professor uh he has kids you know, all these different things. And so he tries to kind of like look at his week each week and figure out what times might work, but then he'll be like super flexible. Like, okay, his daughter or whatever is taking a nap. That's an opportunity to hit deep work, you know? So you might fall into that category. Um, Yeah. But might have to, I I think I've been thinking about reading this for a long time. I might have to finally pick it up. Maybe I'll go down to the library. It's a um, super quick read too. Like, yeah, I am a slow reader. Um, and I know I was kind of surprised when you're like, I read a hundred pages in one day. I'm like, what? Yeah, I <laughs> read a hundred pages in one day, and it probably took me like two hours or something. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and part of yeah, the it looks like it's only three hundred and four pages in the hardcover. So yeah, and half well, not half of that, but like fifty pages of that is references and stuff. Oh yeah. So, um, one thing that. I don't want to spoil it for you, but one thing that I thought you, it reminded me of you was he has this uh, conversation with this architect friend of his, and he's talking about um, basically the best way possible of of kind of using your surroundings to hit deep work. Um, yeah. And he, there was some like Greek idea or building or something that he based this idea off of but basically he designed a building that has these different chambers in it and it has five chambers you there's one entrance and you have to walk through each chamber to get to the last one um and each chamber has a specific purpose for trying to kind of get you in the zone like the first one is like uh you walk in and you see examples of past work of people who have used the chamber and then the next one is like you know refreshments and things to kind of like get you prepared you know physically for it and then the next one is like a library of uh resources and all this stuff the last one is like a meeting room area and then the final one is like basically no windows like you and the work and then in order to come in and out, you have to go through all of them, which I don't know. It reminded me of you talk, you and honestly, Chris Delion talking about like aromas and taste. Yeah, I just posted that last week on the, as the quick tip. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um, so I forget the name of this building, but it's in the book. I kind of wanted to look it up. Um, but you, you know, 
What's interesting too is that it's kind of like the same thing. I know you talked about Neil Stevenson too, but I know um, that Stephen King talks a lot about it in his memoir. Like that's how he operates. Like he doesn't necessarily write all of his books by cranking out words 12 hours a day. Like I think he wakes up at like six and he gets to the keyboard and he writes until like noon. And then that's his day and he's done for the day. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, well, and he goes down he like writes at the same desk. He's like always written at, he has no distractions down there. Like it's just him and his work. Yeah. Well, uh, Stephen King is also somebody who takes a lot of walks, right? That's why, isn't yeah, that he why he got hit day. by a van or something? Yeah. He walks every day. Yeah. And yeah. And he was hit by the van while he was walking. Yeah. Near his house. See, I think, so he probably does like a bi, what did he call it? Bimodal or something approach to hitting deep work because he talks in the book, he talks all, uh, Carl Jung or Jung or whatever, J-U-N-G. Yeah. He had this approach where he structured his life. Um, he had like a busy life in Zurich and then, you know, every couple months or something, he'd go out into this like cabin in the woods, uh, for two weeks where he was like, you know, silent or whatever. And he would spend a lot of his time like reading and writing and then he'd go take walks in the, in the woods. Yeah. And I think a lot of, a lot of people, um, like big thinkers, have their ideas when they're just like walking around in nature or whatever, like pondering things, you know? Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, I think there's something to be said about, um, kind of being reconnected to something like that. And also just, um, all of this stimulus that you're getting is, um, you know, natural Yeah, and good for you. You know, you're getting oxygen in the brain, the sounds you're hearing, it's not the radio or static on the TV, it's birds singing or squirrels chirping. Um, You know, you got to, like, look where you're walking, like, depending on where you are, you know, maybe you're on the sidewalk or something, but if you're out, like, actually, like, going for a little hike or something, you got to watch where you're stepping. Yeah. You got to, like, use your body, you know? Um, It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. but there's also lots of uh, people who walk every day and aren't successful. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally true. So it kind of reminds me. Um, what is this? Oh, we've maybe talked about this before, but so like a couple weeks ago, I had kind of this really frustrating moment where I realized that I spent like half of my day on Twitter. It's like in that refresh cycle or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I've been there. <laughs> and I'm extremely susceptible to like when there's a big news item. And oh, yeah. this is why like the whole Russian probe thing, the first year that that went on, I was just glued to it. Such oh, a dude, waste. Yeah. You got man. the radio on your favorite news station. You've got your Twitter feed refreshing when that's not refreshing <laughs> enough. You're going to your Google cards <laughs> your news cards just yeah. like refreshing that you're scrolling through reddit you're like it's not even fast enough you like the like the r slash all like isn't fast enough so you create a multi uh reddit that has like only the news reddit <laughs> subreddits that you use and yeah. um yeah i know that game <laughs> sounds like better <laughs> than me but um but yeah so like i had this moment after that day where i just like i was just pissed off at myself like i normally don't like waste a whole day not being productive at all but it happens sometimes and when it does i'm always so upset about it and it kind of got me thinking about like wanting to have times where i leave my phone off or like just don't bring it with me places and then also like looking at alternatives and we've maybe talked about light phone before yeah but i looked it up again they have light phone 2 now which also does texts which is that that would be all I would need in terms of like basic functionality of yeah not a non smartphone, but they're like I think they're like two hundred bucks or maybe one fifty or something. I don't know. I'm not sure if I could justify it at this point, but it really like that day just made me want to just disconnect. You know, like yeah, I'm pretty sure I I got home or whatever, and I was like, we need to have time where we just 
like literally turn our phone off for a weekend or something like yeah well and that's i you know it's interesting that you say that because it dawns on me that you don't get away that much um but i get away from cell service like all the time go camping or you know go to the beach or something like that yeah and uh it is really refreshing when mm-hmm. you can just shut your phone off oh, and you have a really valid excuse which is you're completely out of service right you know? um yeah 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 makes, man you should, you should give that it, a go man. you should give that a go you know this summer maybe you gotta go camping with me yeah uh, dude well so that's the thing like for me you know how i am i'm scared of everything uh, and but i also don't know how to do a lot of stuff just like we talked about last week with the tire i don't know how to camp man i'm like scared to well, try what's it. there to know well i don't know you got to know like the right place you don't want to like go into private property or like you know maybe you go into like a little uh cougar nest or something <laughs> i mean yeah i guess those are all valid concerns (laughs) i I also don't have any of the equipment so i don't know what that takes you know yeah it is a little annoying to get into it with that way so i used to have everything i needed and when i got older i got like sick of the outdoors for a little bit so i got rid of all my shit yeah then i recently it was like oh wait i need that stuff so yeah well it's kind of like golfing or something too it's like for someone who's never golfed how would they know what clubs to get or where they right, should go yeah. play or what they should start with or whatever? Like you got to have someone yeah. there to kind of show you the ropes. So maybe we should go the, camping. I like that idea. Yeah, man, we I'll, should. I'll yeah. The only Allie. thing like the big things that what? Hmm. What'd you say? Sorry. I just took a drink. I said, I'll tell Alia. There you go. The, like the big thing that you got to be concerned about is like a decent sleeping bag and like a foam pad. It doesn't have to be like a comfy foam pad. It just has to be a foam pad so that the ground doesn't make you really cold at night. Okay. And like, I think I have enough tents and stuff like that, like, and, uh, enough other camping equipment that it might not be a big deal, but I don't have another sleeping bag or pad. So, okay. Also like maybe a backpack if you want it. Yeah. Which we we actually have probably get a goodwill. Huh? We have some from when we went to Europe. There you go. camping backpacks that we've only ever used when we went to Europe in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Um, yeah, we'll talk about this more. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's like really, really helpful to get out there and like, yeah, have a weekend. And, you, and that's the thing, like it's something that not a lot of people, um, you know, and it's hard because we're like older, we have responsibilities, we have, uh, you know, our, kind of, our families to worry about. Um, like, I think that something that isn't a thing anymore with smartphones is like this certain level of like, I don't want to say unaccountability as like recklessness, right? But it's like this certain level of like you being unaccounted for in a way, right? Yeah. Like people used to not freak out if you didn't call them every day, (laughs) right? But like now if you don't get a text message like once an hour, it's like, are you okay? Yeah. Where are you? It's like, dude, I'm fucking driving. Right. Like, let me drive in fucking peace. (laughs) Yep. Um, you know, or shit like that. And, and so it's nice to be able to just be like, all right, I'm going here. If I'm not back on Monday, you know, something's wrong. (laughs) Right. Yeah. See, and like, I don't know. It's, it's hard. I think honestly, like some of this has been amplified since we started game devs quest (laughs) Yeah. because I always want to see what's going on in the community and stuff. But I think, um, it would be good for all of us to just be like, yeah, you know, maybe I will post on here or like hop on like once or twice a day, you know, right. not like maybe literally we, all the time. Maybe we got to pick like once a week where it's like weekly discord blackout day. Dude, that's a cool idea. And then nobody comes back. It's like, <laughs> fuck these guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like the collective conscious of us like getting healthier and hitting some of that deep work. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's one thing that I've been really striving for is to have like once a week where I do like no screens. Yeah. Um and particularly like no screens, I'm actually I'm mostly aiming for like non-interactive um, you know, screen time. Right. Like just sitting and watching a show when I could be do like reading or doing something else. Mm-hmm. Um but I might even try to aim that more for, like, no video games, no computers, you know? Yeah. 
a whole day where I don't answer email or do anything. Maybe answer calls if I need to, but yeah. Um, but just like a day where I can kind of just unplug and like focus on other things, right? Like I could use that time to maybe exercise more, cook a meal. I could use that time to like clean up and organize and like do projects around my house that I've been meaning to do. I yeah. can use that time to like read books that I'm like behind on. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Well, that um, was after, after just literally reading for like two hours straight that one day and knocking out like uh, close to half a book. I was like, yeah. God, I should just read more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, instead of sitting on my phone, every time I have like, you know, 20 minutes of downtime, just pop a book open and read it, you know? Yeah. And it's a hard habit, you know, and I think I talked to you about this last week, but like this idea, like I have two different e-readers and sometimes if those are all I have, I get overwhelmed with options. But right. it's like, if you just carry one book around with you, yep, that's your book. I you know. read the book. Yep. Um, well, I'm lucky because I can pick from, I don't know, 480,000 books or something at the library that I go to five days a week. Yeah. So I'm going to... I live really close to my library. I should really utilize it more often. Yeah. I mean, honestly, everyone should. You you pay for it with taxes. Yeah. So, well... I used to uh, I used to go to the library all the time, um, when I, especially when I was doing comedy because I would get off work and I worked downtown and... Uh, I'd get off at five comedy uh, club didn't open until like seven or seven thirty most days at the earliest. Yeah. So I'd go to the library and I'd write jokes or I'd write stories and I would just like hang out and then I'd go down there. It was like, so probably like three or four times a week I'd go down to the library. See, that's, that's a good habit to get into. Cause especially like we're talking about with deep work, it's like you change your scenery, you go to the library with the intention of working. What are you going to yeah. do? You're going to work. And then if you make that got, a habit, boom. Yeah. It always was a little difficult for me to get into the flow if, like, my usual spots were taken. Yeah. If I had to, like, <laughs> sit at a table in the open, it always, like, really bothered me. Yeah. But, I get that, too. But, yeah. Well, I guess that settles it. I'm going to have to check out Deep Work, although I'm really behind on all of the other books that I've been meaning to read. But Yeah. Um, well, you have an opportunity. So, I don't know if we mentioned it, but... If any of you guys followed the book club podcast, we are on hiatus at this point. So yeah, but I'm still gonna read some of the books that we had lined up. Yeah, <laughs> and like I have East of Eden now, and I want to read that with Danny. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, <laughs> so many good books. Yeah, this will plus it'll give me time to edit all the episodes I never finished editing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep such a joke but i think we're at the end of our time i'd love to keep talking about this idea um yeah i think i'm gonna challenge myself this week to get away from screens a little bit more normally i've been aiming for mondays but it's kind of hard because we try to record on mondays and then i'm like editing it and doing all this stuff yeah um same just kind of tough um plus i'm really tired and i just want to like <laughs> cook a meal and like eat in front of the tv so i know it's so diff- like is that bad i know what else am I going to do with my hands while I'm eating? Just sit there and look at my meal? Oh, what? <laughs> it You can make food med- meditative, you know? My ancestors died so that I could watch Netflix while eating a meal of food <laughs> that I didn't have to hunt or kill on my own. Yeah. Well, I don't know what to tell you. If I don't watch Netflix while eating, I'm disappointing my ancestors. <laughs> uh, I think this is an unfair – I think this is unfair to do to them. Okay. They fought for a better world so that I could wash my clothes in a machine <laughs> and watch shitty television shows. <laughs> this, this reminds me – so I've been watching a bunch of TED Talks and I just watched this one that I do want to talk about but I don't – I want to get into it right now. It's about uh, human population. And they were talking about how quickly human population rose. And it was basically yeah. like for 200,000, it took us 200,000 years to get to 1 billion. Then from 1 billion to 2 billion, it took 100 years. And then yeah. from like 2 billion to where we are now, over 7 billion, 60 years, right? Yeah. So you're your little thing about our ancestors wanting us to watch Netflix, like 
that was inconceivable like literally i don't know 70 years ago right yeah. so i don't know if i buy it right <laughs> well i just mean like am i dishonoring my ancestors if i don't take advantage of the luxuries that are available <laughs> available to me well right like are you this so is a, you could extend this argument to something serious like vaccines Oh God! Yeah. Like, are you honoring your ancestors if you don't t- like if you don't get vaccinated? <laughs> I think the question is uh, over balanced consumption. Did your ancestors like help you get to where you are now in the hope that you would consume like as much as five Earths in one year? Probably not. So you just got to be balanced. Do what? I don't consume five Earths in one year. Well, not you directly. But... <laughs> uh... You're right. I do. Once you go back a few generations, I do have a lot of common ancestors with other people. So I guess that that's that's fair. Yeah. Well, and that don't we talked about uh, overshoot day? It, yeah. This last year was May first. We used in literally four months. We used the amount of resources that the Earth could sustain in one year. So yeah. it's just insane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. It is weird. Sorry, guys. I'm an idiot and accidentally hit the space bar, which stopped the recording. So <laughs> we'll just wrap anyway, up here. Yeah. It, it's a good as time as any to have a screw up because sure. we're done. We should have stopped talking five minutes ago. <laughs> uh, but we thank you guys for sticking with us. Regardless, it's always a fun treat. Hey, and if you guys are interested in a weekly Discord blackout day, let us know. I mean, I know that's kind of like a weird thing. But, like, maybe we could try it and yeah. see if it means anything to us. And if it doesn't, then screw it. We'll never do it again. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, let us know about that. You can tweet us at GameDevsQuest. You can email us, gdq at airpodcast.com. And as always, you can come and join the Discord, especially if it's on Blackout Day. Um, bit.ly forward slash GDQ Discord. And as always, if you guys would like to financially support the podcast, you can do so while at the same time buying yourself something cool over on HumbleBundle.com by using our sweet affiliate link, bit.ly forward slash GDQ hyphen Humble. Um, and that anytime you uh, buy something within 24 hours of using that link, we get a sweet, sweet little chip off the old block and it costs you nothing extra. And goes a long ways to helping us keep the lights on. And we talked about doing a bigger push for this, and we didn't talk about it at the beginning. Um, so, you know, count yourselves lucky that we're not blowing you guys up about reviews and ratings. But if you find yourself with a spare moment and the inclination to give us a rating and review, it means so much. It's the currency. Besides actual currency, it's the currency of the podcast world. <laughs> um you know, if you don't like us all that much, you don't have to give us a five-star review, but we appreciate it if you do. But give us some honest feedback. If you think there's something we can improve upon, we'd love to hear it. Um, and if you think we're doing great, we'd love to hear that too. Uh, go on iTunes or your, or your preferred podcast platform and say, woohoo, one thumb up. They do all right. <laughs> um, and other than that, you guys can find the rest of our links over there at that old gamedevsquest.com. Uh, we appreciate it. Check out Deep Work by Cal Newport. And prepare for episode 100. 100 is upon us. Cool, dudes. Week. Hey, cute that music, son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>